One of the great joys I had during high school was that during the summer, I worked as a golf caddy at St. Louis Country Club for three years, and I loved it. I met some amazing people, I loved the work, felt like manual labor, and the pay wasn't bad as well. The one part about that job that I really did not like was that I was essentially a yes-man. What's a yes-man? Webster's Dictionary defines it as a person who agrees with everything that is said, especially one who endorses or supports, without criticism, every opinion or proposal of a superior. And that's what I was. And I didn't really like it. There were many days where I wanted to say to my golfer, Sir, I've seen how you're playing today. You're not going to reach the green with a seven iron. You will end up in the bunker below the green. But because I was a lowly caddy and he was a rich member of St. Louis Country Club, I had to smile and say, Here's your seven iron, rip it. Because we don't want to be yes men. Yes men have no spine, they have no courage, they have no conviction. They only go towards the power, the prestige, or the comforts. And our readings remind us today that if we are yes men to the world, we are not following the gospel. Because our faith requires us to have a spine, to have courage, and to have conviction. In our first reading, we heard Jeremiah being punished for not being that yes man to the temple people who worked in the temple. He told them what they wanted to hear. He, rather, he didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. Sorry about that. He admonished their sins and their infidelity. And what did they do? They threw him in a well. But he eventually wore them down. They listened, and their hearts were converted. And that never would have happened if Jeremiah would have simply told them what they wanted to hear or cowered to their will. And Christ is no different in our gospel today. We read that he didn't come to make everyone happy. He made a lot of enemies, enough of them that they put him to death for it. In our second reading, we heard that he endured the cross and opposition from sinners. That doesn't sound like a yes man. And our gospel acknowledges that his message was met with opposition, and it will be met with anger from many people in the world. But did that stop Christ? Did he change his message to please people? No. And that's the example that Christ sets for us and the church at large. Because wherever the church goes, in every era, in every place on earth, she will be met with opposition from the world. And frankly, if the world hates what the church is teaching in doctrine, it's a sign that she's saying the right thing. Like Christ, we are called to never waver in our defense of the truth. And we're no strangers to this in our world today. We see the church assailed both from without and unfortunately from within by people who want her to give in to the world. They're the modern day yes men who want power, prestige, and comfort. And they want her to stop obsessing over those tough teachings, and we all know them. Contraception, abortion, marriage, and even our reticence toward the death penalty and the rights of the immigrants. They want the church to say what the world wants to hear. But the reality is if the church were to stop proclaiming the truth, she would cease to do her job. And her job is to proclaim the message, both in season and out of season, whether it is popular or unpopular, 
just like Jeremiah and just like Christ himself. And our Lord reminded us that he didn't come to affirm everything we did or to please everyone. He's not a Walmart smiley face, and neither is the church. We're not a yes church. We're a church of the cross. And yes, those teachings and the cross sometimes might be difficult, but as we read in our second reading, the joy and the resurrection, if you will, that comes from them is worth it. Because we're a church of the cross, we're a church of the resurrection as well. And as we heard in our gospel, the church's teachings can sometimes be met with opposition and can expose divisions that hit close to home, among families, between spouses, and amongst friends. And that's the same for me too. I've got family members, I've got friends, who sometimes disagree vehemently with what the church might teach. So what's our response? Do we use those teachings to hit them upside the head like we would with a two-by-four? No. Our response must be a response of love. Because without love, as St. Paul says, we have nothing. We could have the clearest, greatest, and most solid teachings on earth, and we do. But if we don't teach them without love, care, and compassion, they're all for nothing. They're just a show. And what is love? Love means to will what is good for someone else. And as Christians, we know the greatest good that we can be given is heaven. And so everything that Christ did, everything that Christ taught, was so that the people who listened to them could get to heaven. And that's the same thing that we're called to do. Everything that the church teaches and that we're called to proclaim is so that everyone can get to heaven, or as many people can get to heaven as possible. Because Christ endured the cross for the sake of the joy that lay before him. He did it for heaven. So we must want those who disagree with what the church might believe to get to heaven just as much as we want to get there ourselves. We're called to love them till it hurts and to kill them with kindness. Never compromising what we believe, and that's important. We never compromise what we believe, but we teach it with love, care, and compassion. And if we do that, we won't be a yes church, but we'll be a church that reaches out to the world and challenges it to embrace the gospel in its entirety so that the souls in the world can be redeemed. So we pray today that we can have the conviction to spread the gospel both when it's popular and unpopular, to never be afraid of opposition to Christ, but to do everything with love so that we can bring as many souls as possible to eternal salvation.